Amy Morin wrote this article for Inc.com. It's entitled, The Top 10 Fears That Hold People Back in Life, According to a Psychotherapist. And I want to walk through those fears with you. And I want you just to take a few moments, whether you're in this room or watching online, to be able to think, are these some of the fears and worries that you have in your own life as well? Let me go through the top 10 list with you. Number 10, loss of freedom. Number nine, inadequacy. Number eight, being judged. Seven, getting hurt. Six, something bad happening to you or to your family. Number five, uncertainty. Four, rejection. Three, failure. Two, loneliness. Any guess what number one is? Change. When I read this list, I immediately thought, Amy Morin has a camera in my house. (laughs) Because this sounds like a lot of the fears and worries that I have. And maybe you would agree, maybe you can uh, at least identify with one, if not all ten of them. Or maybe you don't have any fears or worries up there, but you know what it feels like to live with fear, to live with worry. Or I know for me, I can't really put my finger on it, but it seems like when I wake up and then by the time I go to bed, I can see this, this thread of anxiety that goes through my life. Where does that come from? Why do we have to live with these things? And is there hope that maybe something can overcome that? You see, that's why we need the Christmas story to be true, and I want to show you how and why. In Luke Chapter 2, verse 8, Luke is writing about the story, and he says this, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Right by Jesus is this uh, group of shepherds who are taking care of sheep, doing their job in this field. And then all of a sudden, Luke says, hey, this is happening, and I want to write this down. And for us, it just seems like a detail that really doesn't fit with the story. You have the birth of Jesus, and then here are some random shepherds. But if you were from the first century and you heard somebody mention these shepherds in this story, it would have been a surprise to you, just as much as a surprise as the angel coming to speak to these shepherds. And the reason that you would have been surprised to read about shepherds in this story is because shepherds, they were uneducated. They were not looked upon well in society. Though they were really hard workers, they had no social standing or power. And so it didn't seem like they belonged in this story. And yet of all of the people that God chooses to be the spokespeople for Jesus being born, it's the shepherds. Because we read a little bit later in verse 17, after seeing him, Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel said to them about this child. What I want to point out to you is this. I know that this story is true based upon the detail of the shepherds being in the story. And you may not believe in the Bible, and maybe you don't believe in the miracle of Christ's birth, but let me tell you, this detail, I think, proves that the story is true. And here's how. If I were to ask you to make up a compelling story about a religion that you wanted to push for others to believe in, I have a feeling that your opening argument would not be that a pregnant teenager miraculously gets pregnant with God. And that just seemed really far-fetched. And then if you want people to believe in that story, I don't think you would choose shepherds 
who were lowly, uneducated people in that society to be the people to convince others to believe your crazy story. You would never think of it that way. You would never come up with a story like that unless it were true. Because what Luke does, who's an educated doctor, he just writes out what exactly he sees happening, heard happening on that night. And for the shepherds to be included in that story, he's not trying to prove anything. He said, look, this is the truth. You can believe it or not, but this is what happened that night. And these shepherds were included in this incredible story. It keeps going on in verse 9. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I love that the angel comes to these random shepherds, and the first thing that the angel of the Lord says is, don't be afraid. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine going around in your everyday life, maybe you're working, you're at the grocery store, and then an angel from God appears and starts to speak to you? You'd be freaking out. I think Luke forgot to include that they peed down their legs. I mean, let's be honest here. An angel coming to speak to you, that's really, really crazy. They were terrified, and Luke said rightfully so, but then I think something shifts. They go from being afraid to hope, and here's why. They were not looking for God that night. If Luke would have written down, the shepherds needed to see a sign from God, and then the angel came down to speak to them, then you'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But the shepherds, all they were doing was going about their daily life. They were working, and then they would go home to their family, and then they would work. They were just doing what a normal night looked like for them, and all of a sudden, God shows up to them. They weren't looking for God, but God knew exactly where they were, and he shows up to them with this message, this message of do not be afraid. There's two meanings to that. One, listen, I know I'm speaking to you and you're freaking out. You don't have to be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you. But also, don't be afraid. You don't have to fear anymore. You know, I think for the shepherds back in that day, I wonder if they really cared a lot about what people thought about them. People excluded them because of their job. And I wonder if that brought shame to them. I, thought, I wonder if they thought aloud about that. Maybe that gave them fear or worry or anxiety for that. I don't know what it was for them, but there's no doubt they would have had some kind of thing that they would have been wrestling with. And here comes this angel of the Lord that says, you don't have to be afraid anymore, for I am here now. All your fears, all your worries, your anxiety, whatever you're carrying, I will carry that for you. I'm in your midst we said at the beginning that one of the greatest fears is change. I disagree with that. I think the greater fear is what happens if we don't change. I remember being in high school and I remember going through life and I remember thinking to myself, if something doesn't change, I'm gonna end it. That's how low that I got at one time, and I knew something needed to change, but I didn't know how. I would try to control the situation. I would try to manipulate the situation. I tried to change it on my own, but I did the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We know that's insanity. I needed something to come into my life to change my circumstances, to promise me that even though I have these fears and worries and anxiety, it doesn't have to control me anymore. That's when God shows up, when you're not looking for him. I wasn't looking for God, trust me. Never thought I'd be a pastor speaking to you on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and he pointed to me and said, I'm here now. 
He wants to do the same thing for you. He wants to come in your midst. You may not be looking for God. You don't believe him. That's okay. He's been looking for you. And he comes in your midst and he says to you, you don't have to be afraid. And how that changes everything. Tim Keller, he puts it this way. We fear rejection and failure, but if you were completely filled with God's love, you would not care about what other people thought of you. All of us live a life where we do things based upon if people will approve of us or not. Can you imagine being free from that? I'm afraid of what you're thinking about me right now. All of us fear those kinds of things, and we act accordingly to that. Can you imagine being filled with a kind of love that you would never, ever have to fear what people think about you? That changes everything. Or, like Keller says here, we fear the future and circumstances. But if you knew God perfectly and that he is good and in control, you would trust him. Or a fear of death. You wouldn't have to be afraid of that anymore. Because you would know that you would be with him forever. All of these fears that we have, when we hear God show up and say, do not be afraid, that changes everything. That gives us exactly what we are looking for. We don't have to live with this constant anxiety anymore because he shows up in our lives. And he doesn't just say, don't be afraid. That would have been good. Thank you, God. But he goes on. We hear from the angel. He says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. All of us are conditioned to hear bad news. I have the Google News app on my phone. I literally have to take a deep breath before I hit it just to see what's happening around the world and in our, in our United States, our community. It's always bad news. And so when you hear something that's good news, you're like, is this too good to be true? But Jesus, he comes and says, no, it's not too good to be true. It's just true. That I've come to give you good news. And the good news is that Jesus left heaven to come to this earth. To me, that is mind-boggling. Because all of us, we would like to maybe escape this earth to go to heaven someday. But Jesus, he leaves heaven to come here. That's incredible. And he comes looking for us. Many of us, we don't believe in God. That's okay. But he's coming to look for you. And what he comes with is great joy. Even though we've spent our whole lives rejecting God like this, he comes with arms open with this gift of joy. Now, you may not believe in God in this room. I totally understand why. And you may say, I have a happy life without needing God. And I totally see how that happens. And I believe you. But what do you do with what C.S. Lewis says? Don't base your happiness on things that you eventually could lose. Think about how often we find happiness in life, but it's because of the right circumstances or the right person or the right amount of money or the things that we have. What happens if those things go away? Because eventually people will betray us. People will leave us. Money goes away. Success goes away. Our looks, well, we get a little bit older. We look a little different as we get our, well, if you base your life and your happiness on that, of course you have it, but it's temporary. God says, I want to bring you a happiness that's outside of you, that's based upon me, that will never leave you or forsake you. You can't unearn that. You can't push it away. I'm just going to gift it to you. I mean, think about living that kind of life where you can be joy-filled all the time, no matter if even your life is falling apart around you. And then he says it's for all people. We live in a society of inclusion. We should include everybody. They borrowed that from Jesus. Because it's for all people. 
Every single person, whether they believe in God or not, or they're looking for God or not, or whatever's happening in their past, or how they're living now, this invitation of this good news of great joy, it's for every single person because God comes in our midst and says, do not be afraid. I have come for you. My arms are open if you want. You see, I hope this Christmas is just as special as your previous Christmases, where you're with family and friends, and you're opening gifts, and giving gifts, and eating great food, which I cannot wait to do in a little while. But I hope this Christmas also could be different, that you realize that there is a God that's not just out there, but he's come here to offer you this good news of great joy for you, for all people. Merry Christmas.